Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Well, today we are well into spooky season. We're the 3rd of October. Spooky dookie. And we're not dookie. No, it's you, not no. dookie season yet. No, when you... Wait, when's when dookie you, season? When you eat... <laughs> dookie? Uh, when you eat dookie? No, when you eat uh, candy corn, it becomes spooky dookie. And your poop to, turns orange. Interesting. Or when, or, or when oh, your poop is green. Spooky, spooky dookie. dookie. So you don't eat... Obviously, I don't hurt that. When you have an orange... Uh, <clears throat> so, spooky dookie season is, like, after Halloween. Yeah, because it's, like, the day after Halloween. Yeah, when you have too much candy and your uh, poop turns orange. It, like, and just her, literally goes orange, white, yellow. Like a candy corn. Or if your butthole poop turns into green. That's spooky dookie. Okay. That's the lotion that um, witches use to make. I don't know. I don't know if you should be able to say bee hole on here, but I'm gonna leave it in because you're a kid and kids might think that's funny. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We are reading. What are we reading? Um, Hocus pocus. Oh yeah. We're reading Hocus Pocus, and it's a. It is a. Wait, is this a? chapter one yet my goodness um oh my gosh do we want to read the prologue the prologue's like 25 oh my gosh 26 pages oh yeah we have to read it because it talks about them when they go away okay well the prologue should always be just like chapter one because it's so easy to just want to skip over it okay hocus pocus smocus bocus prologue salem 1693. The world was full of wild things then. It brimmed with oak and hemlock and dark whispering places that turned you round and round until there was no turning back. The woman folk said that on early mornings near the harbor you could see echoes of witch song which sounded like a bird song but more bitter. Men folk said that God Godliness would have saved them from any witches, but they honed their axes and twisted new rope just the same. The twitches, oh, the witches said that there was nothing so sweet as the shin bones of little girls. Or perhaps well-braised scalpula with a sparrow spleen compote. It was all in the preparation. They lived near town, the witches, but not so near as to be a bother until a milk cow died or a child took sick. Then the town would start to mutter about the Sanderson sisters, Mary and Sarah, and especially Winnie, who had not been girls a very long time, but who did not merit the title of ladies. Someone always intervened. They're no bother, someone would say, just batty girls playing in the woods. Leave them be, one would say. Don't you remember how kid, how kind their mother was and how generous? It all made perfect sense at the time, 
but once the people of Salem in the left the town meeting and went back to work, not one of them could remember who had said so, who that someone had been. That is, until Emily went missing. It was unlike Emily Binks to stray so close to the woods. Her mother had often scolded her for doing precisely that, though she tried not to scold too hard, for nine-year-old Emily was a serious child, and pious and paging through her prayer book without minding where her, foots took, her footsteps took her. Oh, she's nine years old, just like you. <gasps> Emily Binks was nine years old when she was taken. Is that weird? Okay, now we have to watch that movie again. And, like, imagine she's literally the same exact age as you. Or, like, it being me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I really thought, I wish you were being Emily Binks for Halloween. Dang it, we talked about that, too. Emily was old enough to know about the rumors of the Sanderson sisters, but she also knew that wherever she ran across any of them in town, they were kind to her. It was rare to see Miss Winnie or Miss Mary or Miss Sarah smile, that with their crooked backs and twisted, dusty faces. But when you noticed her... They beamed and clapped, and, well, Mary and Sarah, anyways, praised her, praised her pink cheeks and her pretty hands. Her mother never her mother never praised things for fear of encouragement, vanity, and sin. Even skeptical, skeptical Miss Winnie would pat, Emily, pat Emily's shoulder awkwardly and tease, tease her that she should return to her mother, lest Winnie eat the little girl right up. All that to say is that Emily was not afraid of the woods as the others were, and it was especially if less afraid than her brother, Thackeray, who was like his best friend, Elijah, was seven years older than Emily, of an age when boys found all to do with girls or highly, or women highly suspect. So, when the wood began to creep into her dreams, it didn't startle Emily. In the dreams, the fields between Salem and the trees smelt of warm hay and fresh flowers. Its waves of trailing sweet grass tickled her arms and legs as she walked. In the dreams, the edge of the field ran right up to the edge of the woods and then stopped, as if it perplexed about where, where to go next. In the dreams, the wood was cool and warming, and the air tasted faintly of damp soil and crumpled bark. A taste that seemed as sweet as almond cake to Emily, for it promised an adventure of rival of adventure to rival her well-worn copy Pilgrim's Progress. Thackeray had begun to dream of that place too, the knife's edge between the world he knew and the world of witches. <clears throat> but his dreams were thick of moss-colored smoke and pressed and the press of hands upon his skin and the taste of sweat and bile and river muck. The dreams made him wake night after night, more tired than the day before, but he still didn't tell his parents or his sisters, even Elijah, for he feared that the dreams might mean something dark about his mind, or worse, about his heart. Emily didn't tell because she was afraid that her mother might scold her for letting her imagination run beyond the pages of her prayer book, and the other children didn't tell their, for their own reasons, each of them more personal than the next. So all the children was ha were having nightmares about the witches? When Emily Binks woke up to the dreamy light of dawn, she first believed that it was due to the cocks crowing in the yard, but for whatever reason, the animals weren't making a single sound. Emily crept to the window and found the roosters asleep, even the chickens, who clucked softly as they dozed. It was so strange that she slipped out of the house without changing from her bedclothes, an act that would surely scandalize her mother if she caught her. 
There was a soft song in the air that sounded nothing like the birds, but also not quite like the hymns of the pastor's wife led, the, led at the church. It sounded more like the delicate crust on sugar almonds or the sweet cream of Christmas custard. It sounded like something that could melt or sour if it wasn't used up right away. Emily stepped into the yard and passed the clusters of chickens and nodding family of sheep whose coats were thickening for winter. She petted the nose of Mopsy, the black pony her father had bought her back from last year's trip to Boston, and giggled when he released a happy little snort. She passed the milliner's house and the butcher's, but the curtains were drawn and their house stood silent. Down, a downy rabbit was napping in the yard of the town's best baker, as if it had settled down to sleep in the open, afraid of hungry foxes, unafraid of hungry foxes or rowdy boys with sticks. Elizabeth, the baker herself, was awake, though. There was a smell of boiling fruit and sugar, and Emily spotted her through the shutters of her kitchen window, humming to herself. Elizabeth lived in a small cottage on the edge of town with her husband and daughter. They knew they were scarcely seen in the witch trials that had begun in Salem. Those who did see her when she dropped off baked good remarked at her simple beauty. She was a tall woman in her early 20s with dark curly hair, and she wore pale yellow cloak in almost any weather. The little girl around was around Emily's age and peeped her head just above the sill. The little girl had clear chestnut eyes and a chipper smile. She gave Emily an, and she gave Emily a friendly wave. Ismay, get away from the window, a man's voice came within the house and hushed and urgent. Oh, hushed and urgent. The little girl ducked away. Elizabeth stepped open to open the window and locked eyes with Emily. What brings you outside so early this morning, Miss Emily? Elizabeth inquired, pushing the window up to see better the girl. And how on earth did your mother let you outside with any shoes, my dear? Emily giggled. The whole world seems to be asleep. John Barker's ale must have been strong last night, said Elizabeth. She held up the apples that she was slicing. I'll have pie later, so you won't be allowed to but you won't be allowed until you've changed. Emily nodded somberly. I'm going to find the music first, she said. Emily's demeanor turned suddenly grave. Don't follow it, she she warned. But it's prettier than any tune that I've ever heard, Miss, Miss, said Emily. Beautiful things have a way of obscuring danger, my dear girl. Don't. <clears throat> she stopped short of a smell of burning fruit filling the air and the sound of clumsy gurgling reaching her ears. She hastened to remove the delicate preserve from the stove. But when she returned to the window a moment later, Emily was already gone. Thackeray jolted awake to the sound of Mopsy whining like he had been kicked. He sat up straight, a layer of sweat sticking to the pale linen of his shirt to the back of him, and his, eye, and his ears adjusted to the commotion outside the window. The sun was high. He must have slept through the, the, the cock crow, which meant his father would be angry because he hadn't milked the cow yet. Thackeray flopped back into bed, wondering if he could plead sick. He had glanced over to the left, hoping to ask Emily to cover for him, but her bed was empty and unmade. Her church dress still hung by the fire, as did her, ga her gabled cap. Thackeray hurried out of bed and looked about in the small plain bedroom that they shared at the back of the house. Emily's shoes were by the door, which was very unlike her. He sniffed the air, but he couldn't catch the smell of wood smoke that that would mean his mother was preparing porridge in the main part of the house. Nor could he hear the good-natured sound of his father greeting the neighbors as they passed their way back from the harbor. 
<clears throat> Something wasn't right. He dashed into the yard, and the chickens were scrambling as if they knew it was time for supper. Mopsy had torn himself from the tree, and his lead, in his lead hung limp and ominous from upper branch, from an upper branch. A shiver crept down Thackeray's spine. From the gate of the sheep's pen, Thackeray spotted Elijah Morris, his best friend, who was rubbing his eyes as if he had just risen as well. Elijah, he called, forgetting his own shoes as he crossed between their yards. When Thackeray grabbed Elijah's forearm, his friend turned to him, blinking as if coming from out of a dream. Elijah was only a hair width taller than Thackeray. At least, that's what Thackeray said, and wore an identical linen shirt and a long, locked hairstyle. The townsfolk called the two of them an accidental twins. "'Has thee seen my sister Emily?' asked Thackeray. "'Nay,' said Elijah. But, "'But look, they conjure.' Thackeray followed his friend's gaze and saw for past the fields that surrounded town and deep within the Salem woods a plume of heavy smoke crawling into the clear late morning sky. It was an unnatural shade of pink, bright and conspicuous. It made his stomach turn. The woods, Thackeray managed to have managed the half-dreamed ghost of the witchy hands tightening around his neck he grabbed elijah by the shirt sleeve and together they raced down the lane to the field there thackeray caught sight of his sister of his sister's uh, caught sight of his sister's slight frame slipping into the shadow of the trees wake my father he told elijah keep his eyes trained on where his sister had keeping his eyes trained on where his sister had just begun summon the others go before Elijah could answer, Thackeray was racing towards the woods, oh, racing towards the witching woods, shouting his sister's name. He leapt over a branch and ducked beneath another, and then lost his footing and tumbled down the steep embankment until he landed in a thick bed of brown leaves. He groaned, forcing himself up onto the arm, and then further up into his hurting bare feet. Before him stood the Sanderson house, a cottage that sat crookedly up on its hunches and sagged in its eaves despite being younger than many of the buildings in Salem proper. Intricate wooden shutters obscured the windows and weeds grew thick drifts around the house and even between some of the floorboards of the porch. A few sported bright blue flowers despite the chill of the October's last day. Thackeray had no doubt the had no doubt that these blossoms smelled and tasted like honey but would kill a man within a few minutes on the house's left side a huge water wheel caught a tiny creek and turned and groaned from the labor above it the smoke hung thick and promised something as wicked as a snake in paradise emily disappeared inside as thackeray watched helpless trapped by a, a memory of clamming down there with elijah Oh, look, Peyton, you can see there's, like, a picture. <clears throat> Both of them were 12, of daring each other to throw pebbles at the door. <clears throat> of his sister knocking hard against his chest when the door opened, and Winifred's, Winifred Sanderson stepped out with her red hair and threatened to roast them with chicken in the woods or worm snakes' tongues. Thackeray pushed his memory across the flat stepping stone to a low window that looked into the only room of the house. Inside, the sisters were doing the devil's work, each of them wearing a heavy cape with a pointed hood. One green, leave, one green as the leaves before fall. 
one red as the as clay and one purple deeper than an elderberry's juice ooh we made elderberry yeah we made elderberry syrup this month together the woman danced and rocked slowly around his poor sweet sister they had seated emily in a heavy-looking chair and she looked patiently up at him as if she expected the present at all of, at the end of the hall her eyes widened when she saw thackeray and he hurried out of sight and shut the window he was he wasted no time clambering past the water wheel and ducked into the alcove just as the creak of a rusted hinge pierced in the as the rusted hinge pierced the air the high haughty voice of winifred sanderson rang out above him oh look she saw she said another glorious morning makes me sick I remember that part of the movie, huh? Yeah. The window slammed and shut again, and Thackeray leaned into the stone of the building. He was relieved not to have been caught, but it didn't help the feeling that his ribs were knotted tight like rope. Emily was trapped inside with the witches, and he had no idea what to do. My darling, crooned Winifred Sanderson, and Thackeray was sure that the words were meant for Emily. But then she added equally lovingly, my little book, we must continue with our spell now that our little guest of honor has arrived. Wake up, she coaxed like a little mother to her child. Wake up, yes, yes, darling. Oh, come along, there you are. Thackeray clambered up the water wheel, which allowed him to enter the house through the thick-paned window on the second floor. It opened to a narrow loft that looked down onto a large room, which made it a perfect hiding spot. Thackeray slunk in and pressed himself as close as he could to the floorboards as he could manage, peering down at his sister and the witches below. Ah, there it is, Winifred was saying. Her book was open an angle on an angled table, and a massive iron pot was bubbling over an open fire beside her. She read from the book's pages, Bring me to a full rolling bubble, add two drops of oil of boil, mix blood of owl with the herb that's red, turn three time, pluck a hair from my head, a dash of pox and an old man's toe. She turned to Sarah, the narrowest sister and perhaps the youngest, though no one seemed, no one in Salem seemed to remember. Dead man's toe, Winifred ordered, and make it a fresh one. Sarah Sanderson brightened and then began to dance around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, chorusing the command. What does she say? Dead man's toe! Dead man's toe! <laughs> and Thackeray cringed. He thought of George Flamsteed, the kind of fisherman whose boat was capsized late in September. He was washed ashore untouched, except that he'd been missing both of his big toes. For days after, the townsfolk had whispered about the devil's work. Mary tossed the toe into the pot and then flung another one in for, for good measure. When a wayward digit landed upon Winifred's back, she rounded on them both. Will you two stop that, she demanded. I need to concentrate. She turned back to her book and then... Oh, they are ugly. Yeah, I know, because they're old here. Turned back to her book and then, satisfied, called her sisters over to the pot. The surface of the bubbling liquid is obscured by the thick sheet of smoke. As Thackeray spied, he chewed his bottom lip, tasting blood. Emily sat quietly off to the side as he wondered what he could possibly be going through in her head. What could possibly be going through in her head? He'd seen a flash of recognition from her before, but now she was serenely 
She sat as serenely as the doll he'd believe her to be when the midwife had first wrapped her in a clean blanket. One thing more, one more thing and it's done, chanted Winifred, waving her hands over the surface pot. A bit of thine own tongue. At once, all three sisters stuck their tongue out and bit down with a crunch, turning in Thackeray's stomach. Ew. They spat into the pot and began to stir the vile liquid with a wooden spoon. One drop of this, breathed Winifred, and her life will be mine. She caught herself. I mean, ours. Thackeray looked over his shoulder, but there wasn't a single sound outside. Where's Elijah? Where's his father? Surely they'd arrive any moment. When the, sister, when the sisters began to advance on Emily, Winifred carrying the huge spoon of dark, bubbling potion, Thackeray jumped. No, he shouted and leapt down in, uh, from the loft before they could feed any of the wicked brew to his sister. A boy, growled Winifred. Get him, you fools. Thackeray dodged the two old, younger witches, dancing around the bubbling pot so that they couldn't catch him. He grabbed the lip of the pot and shoved, not caring about searing th- the searing pain that shot through his hands. Once the poison was spilled across the ground, he rushed towards his sister, but it was too late. Winifred had given her a draught, the draught of potion left in the wooden spoon, and the decrepit which the decrepit witch delicately, even lovingly, wiped his sister's mouth with her own cloak before turning to his face. Always keep your eyes on the prize, my boy, she cackled and raised her free hand, the air filled with a violent green light. All at once, Thackeray's world filled up and spilled over with hurt. <clears throat> his muscles betrayed him. His field of vision blurred and went dark and his body collapsed like a bundle of sticks on the floor. Thackeray's mind went blank from the pain in his body when he could finally blink again. He wasn't sure that he'd lost a few seconds or a few minutes or much longer. He tiptoed his head to the side and saw that Emily was still there, as were the three hideous Sanderson sisters. Emily sat serenely in the wooden chair, attentive but church quiet. Her pale skin and white sleep dress looked almost iridescent in the house's low light. Thackeray watched, helpless, as the iridescence turned into the warm golden glow and the likes of one which might expect to see spill from the skin of an angel. "'Tis her life force,' said Winifred. "'The potion works.' She stretched her arms toward her sisters. "'Take my hands. We will share her.' Fingers intertwined, and the three witches advanced upon Emily. They leaned down forward and inhaled deeply, Curls of amber light drifted away from Emily and down their wretched throats. Thackeray dragged himself to a nearby ladder and managed to prop himself up, but the words sloshed around him and he couldn't think of how words were supposed to be strung together. His, he watched his sister, though, and felt that his heart would break. The sisters took a final inhale and the light around Emily disappeared behind their lips. Emily's narrow chin tipped forward and her body went limp. Her face was suddenly drawn and sorrow. <clears throat> her skin threatened with thin gray veins as her blood, too, had been stolen from her. Thackeray lurched towards her but only managed to vomit onto the floor. He tried to look away from his sister, but he couldn't help but staring at her in horror. Emily, dead, dead and shrunken like a frail old woman. Thackeray vomited again. 
He hadn't eaten since supper, and the thin bile from his stomach soured his tongue. Sarah Sanderson spun around, running her fingers through her new, golden, curly hair. I am beautiful, she squealed. Boys will love me. Mary's plump face looked nearly pleasant, thanks to the color creeping back into her cheeks. She pouted her red lips, which still twisted to one side. We're young, she started clapping. Winifred hurried to pick up the mirror. Her face fell, and for a moment... Thackeray suspected that she wished she hadn't been so generous in sharing with her sisters. Well, she said, younger. Then a surge of energy seemed to ripple through her, and she raised both of her arms in triumph. But it's a start, she cackled. These sisters promenaded together while Thackeray continued to drag himself unto unto his unsteady feet. Oh, Winifred, cooed Mary, thou art merely a sprig of a girl. Liar, Winifred crowed, but I shall be a sprig of a girl forever, said the twinning, twirling each of the sisters. I, once I sucked the life out of all the children in Salem, she turned to face Thackeray and ble- beamed towards and then advanced towards him. Let's brew another batch, she suggested. You hag, he growled. You're not, there are not enough children in the world to make thee young and beautiful. That made Winifred stop short. Hag, she repeated dis- distastefully. Sisters, did you hear what he called you? Thackeray, Thackeray wanted to point out that he'd been speaking just specifically to her, but she spoke again before he could muster the energy. Whatever shall we do with him? Barbecue and fillet him, Mary said. Hang him on a hook, said Sarah, reaching for his chest, and let me play with him. No, snapped Winifred, and then, more softly, she called to her book. A heavy, the heavy tome floated through the air to reach her, and the book was bound in scraps of thick, tanned human skin and roughly stitched together with threads that made the seams look like scars on a dead man's, dead man's face. A metal clasp on the book's cover encircled a bit of puckered leather in the shape of an eye. Dazzle me, darling, she cooned, and the book opened on its own accord, and she plunged through it until she found the perfect spell. (sighs) Okay, perfect spell. His punishment shall be not to die, but to live forever, forever with his guilt. As what, Winnie? His sisters looked, her sisters looked delighted. She stepped towards Thackeray and thought yeah. <laughs> and thought he tried to evade her walnut brown eyes and the sight of her large teeth and narrow pursed lips, his ears filled with chanting, twist the bones and bend the back, she said as her sisters murmured a soft spell between the words. Thackeray Yep. But Winifred went on trim his trim him of his baby fat, give him fur as black as black just like this remember thick thackeray felt his body twisting and turning on itself he felt his bones snapping and reshaping into smaller thinner versions of themselves the spell had felt like lightning beneath his skin but it felt like a terrible bubbling in his marrow even as he screamed he heard his voice come back as a in a shrill yowl the house rattled with the pounding of fist on the door and the windows through the pane. Thackeray heard his father's voice, but it was too late. He dragged himself to, 
to safety under the chest of drawers and let the pain sweep over his body and through his mind, sprinting his consciousness away. The verdict was settled before the trial began, but the Sanderson's case, which his case was not helped by the refusal to show remorse. That very night, the, a dark, drizzling end to the All Hallows' Eve, and the three sisters stood on the barrels, <sighs> stinking of fish, three lengths of rope looped around their, around their guilty necks. And they cackled and teased the crowd as their sentences were read under the light of the flickering lanterns and hungry-looking torches. They're mad, said the tray marker and the milliner. When did they turn so mad? When they sold their souls to the devil in a despicable trust with a yellow hellfire wickedness, said the milliner as if he'd been there before. Hmm, mused the tray maker. It seemed to help Sarah's complexion, though. It began to rain in fat drops that soaked the wooden, the woolen tunics and ran, ran, and ran into the swell of the boots. The judge, who was also the priest of Salem and the two boarding townships and, his, in his humble opinion, severely overworked and underappreciated, tried to speed things along. What they say, witches... What say thee, witches, he demanded. Sarah Sanderson tilted her barrel and said... We say thou weren't so judgy when when coming to us last May for potency potion. She casted her eyes below the man's round stomach and batted her lashes as the crowd broke into the whispers and shifted from one soggy foot to the other. <gasps> Lying Jezebel, cried the judge. But before Sarah could retort, the father of the dead Emily spoke. Winifred Sanderson, he said, I will ask thee one final time. What has thee thy done with my son Thackeray? Thackeray, said the eldest witch in the dim torch light, and her face looked like chalk against the scarlet of her curls. Answer me, he shouted. His arm was around the shoulders of his wife, who wept openly in his damp jacket. Well, I don't know, Winifred protested, and then gave her sisters a knowing, secret smile. Cat's got my tongue. The Sanderson witches shrieked with laughter at Winifred's joke. At the sound of the die, as the sound died down, Sarah chafed as the rope chafed at the rope around her neck. This is terribly uncomfortable, she said. Winifred cleared her throat, and before anyone in Salem could stop them, the Sanderson witches began to sing and chant in, un, in unison. Thrice I, with mercury, purify and spit upon twelve tables. Don't listen, cried the judge. Cover your ears. They gathered mass. The gathered mass rushed to to heed him as the sisters spat into the crowd. Don't drop the book, someone shouted, but it was too late. Elijah Morris, judge Elijah Morris, the judge's apprentice and the boy who had lost his best friend to these wicked sisters only that morning covered his ears too, dropping Winifred's leather-bound spellbook as he did. <sighs> the heavy thing sank into the mud with a satisfying squish. A moment later, it flew open to its own accord, hundreds of pages shuddering and cackling in the wind. Mary and Sarah looked gleefully at it, the latter clapping her slender hands. But Winifred, the eldest, let her gaze linger on the back of the crowd. Her brown eyes piercing had almost gone black, but her expression somehow bemused. Like a cat who had just been tr transformed 
her master into a crippled mouse. Then her attention snapped back to her spellbook and a laugh tumbled out of his broad che- out of her broad chest. Fools, she crowed, look she crowed, relishing in the word, all of you, my ungodly book speaks to you. On all hallows eve, when the moon is round, a virgin will summon us from the underground, her delighted bubble over her over into her sisters, who giggled and beamed alongside of you. We shall be back, Winifred proclaimed, and the lives of all the children in Salem shall be mine. The white lightning cracked across the sky, and the executioner, dressed in black, kicked down the barrels, Sarah, Winifred, and Mary dropping in quick succession. Their bodies shuddered, and their toes stretched and swung on stockinged legs, and at last they were still and singing no more. As the crowd began to shuffle off, the spellbook was closed and lifted. As the book rose, the eyes on it, on its cover blinked open and the watery green iris searched for its rescuer. Through a film of cataracts and rain, the, spells, the spellbook's eye saw the thick, dark curls obscuring a face and then it was tucked beneath an arm and, and secreted away. Are you sleeping? Pain dream? No. That was, I was going to say, that was fast. All right. <clears throat> chapter one. Chapter one. Oh my gosh, these are long chapters. Holy moly to moly cazoli. All right. Well, very good, very good. Okay. We'll catch you next time, guys.